According to the United States Department of Veteran Affairs, three years after the Civil War ended on May 5, 1868, the head of an organization of Union veterans, the Grand Army of the Republic, established Decoration Day as a time for the nation to decorate the graves of the war dead with flowers. Major General John A. Logan declared it should be May the 30th, possibly because flowers would be in bloom all over the country. The first large observance was held that year at Arlington National Cemetery across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C. The ceremonies centered around the morning-draped veranda of the Arlington Mansion, once the home of General Robert E. Lee. Various Washington officials, including General and Mrs. Ulysses S. Grant, presided over the ceremonies. After speeches, children from the Soldiers and Sailors Orphan Home and members of the GAR made their way through the cemetery, strewing flowers on both Union and Confederate graves, reciting prayers and singing hymns. So while Veterans Day honors our servicemen and women who are alive, Memorial Day honors the memory of those who gave their lives in service for our country. Folks, war is not glorious. War is costly, very costly. I was doing some research, and since the Revolutionary War in 1775, more than 1.3 million people, Americans, have died on the battlefield. If If you add all the wounded together, that number more than doubles to 2.8 million casualties. That's a lot of people, a lot of Americans. Perhaps you know someone in your family or a friend who is in that number. It's a tragedy, and we should not forget the sacrifice these millions made to protect our freedoms, even the freedom to worship in this place today. War has been costly in American lives, but it's also been costly in people around the world. Since 1900, war has meant the death of more than 100 million people around the world. And since the beginning of human history, estimates are as high as a billion people killed as a result of war. Now that's a lot of death, but it still does not match the number who will die on earth just before the coming of the Lord Jesus. You see, in that day, in just a few, within a few years, nearly four billion people will die as a result of war and other disasters during the terrible days of the Great Tribulation. In those days, a confused world will follow a leader who offers him salvation, but delivers death and destruction. All this happens in the future as we near the revelation of Christ and his kingdom on earth. And that's why every believer, that's right, you and I, every believer desperately needs to sow the seeds of the gospel because so many people don't know Jesus and so many people will die in that number, people that we know. We desperately need to sow the seeds of the gospel. We need to sow kingdom seeds every day. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. And I want to honor God's Word if you'd stand with me. And we look at Revelation 6 and our message, Pray So Grow, that's our emphasis, Kingdom Revelation, Revelation chapter 6. 
Verse 1, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and the people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on the black horse had a pair of scales in his hands, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius. And three quarts of barley for denarius, and do not hurt the oil and the wine. That's like one, a loaf of bread for one day's wage. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, hunger, death, and the beasts of the earth. Pestilence, disease. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed." And I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Follow us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who is able to stand? Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for your word. I stand here just a man, Lord, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower me and give me the strength to preach the word. Would you give me, Lord, the opportunity to plant those kingdom seeds in this place and around the world. Would you take this word wherever it needs to go, that someone who is lost would find Jesus and be eternally saved? That would be my greatest prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. In Matthew 24, not too long before his crucifixion, the disciples went with Jesus out to the Mount of Olives and they asked him, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, notice what he said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, that I am your Savior, and will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. 
What Jesus summarized in Matthew 24, He specified in the book of the Revelation. Jesus said, the first thing you will notice before I come is the rise of those who claim to be the Christ, the Savior. And in Revelation 6, John the Apostle saw, in the, as the first seal was loosed, the rise of this supreme false Christ. A man so evil that his coming will trigger events that will kill, kill nearly half of humanity. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see! And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now the Revelation, some people are confused by the book of the Revelation. But the Revelation is really not that complicated when you think about the purpose and its various divisions. Uh, I will say that the purpose of the book is to reveal the events leading up to the coming of Christ to set up His kingdom on on earth. That's why it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation is divided into different sets of of seven. Seven, the number of completion. Seven seals, seven vials, like vials you would use in chemistry to pour out. Seven trumpets. Okay, So you are... Seeing seven, when you get to the seventh seal, it leads to the first set of the next seven. When you get to the end of the seven vials, it leads to the next. So on and on, you see sevens. And every set of seven triggers events on the earth. And we're looking today at the seven seals. Seals wrapped around a scroll. They didn't have like books like we have. It was a scroll. And they had seven seals upon it. And the scroll would not be fully opened until every one of those seals was loosed. And then you would move on to the next judgments. That's that's how you look at the Revelation. The Revelation starts with the rapture. It continues through the Great Tribulation. Then we see the coming, the second coming of Christ to set up his kingdom on earth, conquering all evil. And finally, you see the battle of Armageddon and God creating a new heaven and a new earth. That's the the whole story, the story of the end of the world as we know it. Now, we must remember that when Jesus sets up his kingdom on earth, what's going to happen to all the other kingdoms on earth? They are going to disappear. They must yield to His sovereignty. Now that's, called, that's why it's called the revelation. Because it's the revelation of, the, of Christ. It's a revelation of the kingdom of Christ over all the earth. Today the kingdom of Christ on earth is not universal. Today Christ's earthly kingdom is found in the hearts and lives of His people. But one day His kingdom will engulf the whole earth. The, the prophet Habakkuk said, read, it, read the next one with me, ready? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of Jesus. It will be filled with His Lordship. So the revelation of Jesus Christ began with John being called up to heaven in the rapture of the church. And there John saw all the saints from the past and the future together around the throne of God. 
crowned with golden crowns, washed and robed in the righteousness of Christ, worshiping the one who gave his life for them and for us. That was Revelation 4. And then in Revelation 5, John saw the appearance of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Now let's look, look at that for a minute. Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 and 6 and 7. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And we saw this last week, the, the powerful figure of God the Father on the throne. An emerald rainbow around him, a sea of, of crystal in front of him. The seraphim singing his holiness, proclaiming his holiness. Powerful events, earthquakes, thunders, lightnings, all kinds of things, energy. So now the Father holds a, a scroll in His hand, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And so John said, I wept. In fact, there was weeping in heaven. No one could open the scroll. Verse 6, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne coming out from the throne and in the midst of the elders the elders were all around him that's the church that's the saints old testament new testament saints stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which is the seven spirits of god sent out into all the earth and he came the lamb came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne wow what a powerful vision John saw. John saw the Trinity, the triune God in His kingdom of heaven. John saw God the Father seated on the throne. God the Holy Spirit symbolized in fire before the throne. And then God the Lamb, God the Son, as a Lamb coming out from the throne. It's all God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but each with a different function. The Father holds in His hand a scroll wrapped with seven seals. What is this scroll? I believe this scroll is God's final word for the earth. Some, some have said, well, this could be the title deed to earth, and He's giving it to His Son to reveal Himself. But I, I don't really believe that because the earth belongs to God now. The earth belongs to Jesus. He created it. I believe... This scroll is God's word in heaven of His final judgment upon the earth. A judgment that has been sealed for now. God could have sent, Jesus could have come years ago. He could have come a millennia ago, but He didn't. Because He was waiting for that final word to be issued. Just think of how God has been so patient with man. Watching as mankind destroys, has destroyed itself nearly with evil. I have to tell you that what I see today is worse than I've ever seen in my lifetime. I don't know how much lower God will allow mankind to come before He unleashes His wrath and destroys everything, but it can't be long. The scroll, though, I'll tell you what I believe. The scroll is about to be loosed. Jesus is about to return for His church. And when the church gets to heaven, everything starts moving because the scroll is starting to be unrolled. God's word of completion. That this 
age of man's rule and wickedness is about to be replaced by the rule of King Jesus. That's why in heaven there was weeping when no one was worthy to open the scroll. And then there was celebration when the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, took the scroll and the, loosed the first seal. Verses 5, chapter Revelation 5, verses 8 through 10. Notice, now when he had taken the scroll, the seraphim, the four living creatures, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, vials full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, say it with me, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Well, hallelujah. That's what every saint of God had been waiting for. For the revelation of Jesus in all of His glory, in His righteousness. Here is the the proclamation. The Word of God in heaven that assures that all other kingdoms will surrender to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. These kingdoms will submit. Just think about it. China, big nation. They will submit. Iraq, submit. Iran, submit. Israel, submit. England, submit. United Kingdom, submit. Russia, submit. The United States, submit. The kingdoms of that day will submit to His Lordship, but they will not give up easily. It's going to be a battle. The greatest battle that's ever been fought on this earth. Listen, more people will die as a result of that battle than all the other battles that have ever been fought on earth. It will be a battle between good and evil, between Christ and Satan. And to get that battle going, Satan will unite the world behind a leader of his own choosing, a man on a white horse that John saw. He will be just a man, but he's going to be a very powerful man, a satanically driven man. That's what we see when we open chapter 6. The loosing of that first seal reveals that world ruler behind whom all the world's kingdoms will align. John said, when, I, when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on that horse had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Some people think this is Jesus. They assume it's Jesus because he's on a white horse and wears a crown. Notice how the rider of this horse has a bow with which he can conquer the nations. We will see this later in the Revelation. That when Jesus returns to earth in his glorious second coming, he will also ride a white horse. The rider in Revelation 6, however, is not Jesus for one apparent reason. Would you look at that? And I can show you. Next to the last line, he had a bow, but a crown was given to him. A crown was given to him. Folks, if a crown is given to someone, it's given by someone who is a superior. 
It is given by a sovereign to one who is subor- to one who is subordinate. There is no one greater than the Lord Jesus. Amen. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He has crowns that are His by virtue of His own sovereignty. Not because He earned them or was given them. The only crown that's ever been given to Jesus was given at His first coming, His first advent. When Jesus came into the world to die as a sacrifice for our sins, evil men gave Him a crown of thorns. Jesus suffered, bled, and died on an old rugged cross to pay the sin debt every person owes so that whosoever will believe in Him and accept what He did as payment for their sins and receive Him as Savior and Lord and King of their lives will not perish in His wrath, but will have eternal life. Jesus was given a crown of thorns the first time, but the next time He comes, He will wear His crowns, His glory crowns, His sovereign crowns, many crowns, crowns of the mighty Lord of hosts. No one is greater than the Lord Jesus. And the crowns are His and always have been His from eternity. So the rider John saw on a white horse wearing one crown is a false Christ. We call Him the Antichrist. Just as the coming of Christ is prophesied in the Bible, so is the coming of the Antichrist or the false Christ. In the book of Daniel, God gave Daniel a vision of the end of days and the coming kingdom of Christ. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament corresponds to the book of the Revelation in the New Testament. Daniel had visions, several visions of these animals rising and they symbolized different kingdoms that would rise. The last of which was the kingdom of of the Antichrist. Some say that the Antichrist is reviving the old Roman Empire, the fourth kingdom Daniel saw, and a little horn rose up on the ram's head, and that was the, the revival of the Roman Empire. Maybe, right, maybe. But what we, Daniel saw was the rise of this Antichrist, and notice what he said. And in the latter time of their kingdom, talking about their kingdom, the kingdoms of the earth, when the transgressors have reached their fullness. Won't you think about that? What's God waiting on? God, what's God waiting on for that seal, for the rapture and the seal to be loosed? He's waiting for the fullness of time, like He did in the days of Noah, when men became so evil. God said, that's enough. And He destroyed the world and all the evil with it, all the evildoers in the flood. God's waiting now. So when the time, the fullness, when, it's, when the transgressors have reached their fullness... A king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He will destroy fearfully. He shall prosper and thrive. And I want you to notice, he shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. And he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. That's Christ Jesus. But of course that won't work because he will be broken without human means. Jesus will conquer him when he comes. This is the rider on the white horse that John saw, given a crown by Satan himself, empowered by the devil to overcome all of his enemies, especially anyone who would dare follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We must remember that after the rapture of the church, 
when all of a sudden every believer on the face of the earth is gone, every Christian will have disappeared. There's no one left on the planet for a little while. There's no one who is a true follower of Jesus Christ. But during the days after the rapture, there will be people who realized what they missed. There will be those who remember a message like the one I'm preaching today. You understand that after the rapture of the church, Calvary Baptist Church, somebody's probably going to be here the next Sunday morning. That's right. They're going to come to church. They had not been in a long time, but they're going to come to church. Because they are going to realize something, what's going on here? This must be... Didn't I hear Pastor Donnie talk about that rapture that was going to take place? You think that's what it is? The rapture has taken place. But folks, they will turn from their sin and turn to Christ, but it's going to be too late for the rapture. These who rejected Christ and then turned to Jesus, they will have to deal with the new earth king, the Antichrist. They will be persecuted for their faith Unlike any persecution which has ever happened on earth, and there has been horrible persecution. Even now, in a number of, cur- of countries, Christians are persecuted for their faith. They are. People like Ronnie and Anita Smith, who moved to Libya with their young son so they could share the love of Christ with their Libyan neighbors. But then Ronnie was murdered by Islamic ex- extremists, and Anita's life took a tragic turn that she couldn't have imagined. Still, with God's grace... She chose to forgive her husband's killers. People like Gracie Burnham, who was held captive by terrorists in the Philippines. People like Helen Burhane, who was imprisoned because of her Christian faith. People like Susanna Coe, whose husband was abducted in Malaysia. And by the way, these four women will be featured in a virtual event. You might want to look at it on July 14th by Voice of the Martyrs. Hearts of Fire virtual event. If you need help with it, we can get you a link or go to Voice of the Martyrs. They will tell their story. You register online. It's well worth it to watch what's happening to Christians today who try to live out their faith. Imagine how Anita felt when her husband was murdered for his faith. Multiply that by hundreds of thousands or millions who turned to Christ during the Great Tribulation, and you'll have the worst persecution in earth's history. And that's what happens when a satanically empowered leader takes over the world. Daniel said, He will destroy fearfully, He shall destroy the mighty, and He shall destroy who? The what? The who? Holy people. Because these tribulation saints missed the rapture of the church, they're going to have to go through these terrible events that happen on earth when God pours out His wrath. might be your son or your daughter or your grandchild. It's having to go through this. And on top of that, they're going to be the enemies of the Antichrist, and they'll feel his wrath. In, Re- in Revelation 13, John saw the rise of this false Christ. Watch, look what John saw. I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. He's talking about the sea of humanity. He could be talking about the Mediterranean region. I don't know. They called the Mediterranean the sea. But he had seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads... A blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. His mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon, who's the dragon? Do you know? Satan. Gave him power. Gave him his throne and his great authority. 
and I saw one of his heads. Now notice this. I saw one of his heads as though it had been mortally wounded. Something happens to him. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? He's so powerful. After the rapture of the church, the world will be desperate for leadership. The world today is looking for a leader, and people today will follow just about anyone, won't they? In fact, I don't think I've ever seen such a day of insanity as what I see today. I have never seen a time when corrupt leaders could gain such power over people and take away their freedoms as I see today. With the Antichrist, it's going to be imaginable. Unimaginable. There's never been a more ruthless dictator than the one who rises, who is the Antichrist. The Apostle Paul wrote, 2 Thessalonians 2, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of the Lord's coming, Jesus' coming, will not come unless the falling away comes first. Christians falling, people who claim to know Jesus falling away. Have we seen that in our day? Are we seeing Christians who claim to follow Jesus sitting on the sidelines, missing in action? Have you ever seen a day when the church was so weak, honest to goodness, really? That day will not come unless there's a falling away first. And then the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What did Paul call him? The man of sin, the son of perdition. Perdition is another name for hell. This man is the son of Satan if there ever has been one. John saw this beast had a head that was wounded to death. Probably a reference to him being nearly killed in one of his wars as he tried to gain control of the world. But then his deadly wound was healed. And when it was healed with his resurrection to power, the whole world marveled and worshipped him. Does that kind of sound familiar? I mean, the Son of God had a deadly wound, many wounds, and he died. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And for that, people down through the ages have worshipped Him, but most people have rejected Him. But this son of Satan is going to claim to be the Messiah, some Savior. Going to claim He's going to look like He's dead, but then He rises again, and all the world will follow Him. They will not only worship Him, they will worship the dragon Satan who gave Him His power. Now folks, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there is a big effort today in our country to have satanic temple clubs in our public schools for say, to teach children, even though they say they're not. That's what it's about. Teaching people to deny God and worship Satan. Satanic worship is on the rise in America through these satanic temple cults. Now, although they try to separate themselves from the church of, of Satan, they have adopted the same symbols... The symbol, the pentagram and the Baphomet statue. The satanic temple embraces abortion, the LGBTQ lifestyle. Their after-school clubs are open to children ages 5 through 12. And here's what they say. 
We're not interested in converting children to Satanism, writes TST. We prefer to give children an appreciation of the natural wonder surrounding them, not a fear of everlasting otherworldly horrors. Otherworldly, you know, like heaven and hell. They have certain rituals such as, how about this one, unbaptism. According to their website, unbaptism is an activity in which participants renounce... I'm talking about children. Participants renounce superstitions that may have been imposed upon them without their consent as a child, like you taking your children to church. Essentially, religious beliefs adults wish to part ways with, well, when they go to the satanic temple in the presence of their satanic-looking statue... They can be unbaptized and renounce their faith. These satanic temple after-school clubs are everywhere. How about that? And they try to indoctrinate little children to abandon any faith or belief in God and instead embrace science and a secular worldview. Their goal is to counter any belief in a supernatural God and instead promote their cultural values such as gay and trans pride, abortion at any term, and environmental issues like climate change. I wonder how this compares with the coming Antichrist. Well, let's see what we see in Revelation 13. Notice what it says. And he, the Antichrist, was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months, three and a half years, and then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints on the earth at that time during the Great Tribulation and overcome them. And authority was given him over Every tribe, tongue, and nation, all who dwell on the earth will worship Him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You'll worship Him or die. The Antichrist will be the leader of a one-world political system, a one-world economic system, and a one-world religious system. He will be motivated by his hatred for God and for Christ Jesus. Paul called him the lawless one. 2 Thessalonians 2, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. The Antichrist is called the lawless one because he will disregard the laws of God, even the laws of nature's God. He will confuse and twist the truth And may I say, that's the world I see. Confusing world, this trans teaching being promoted today. Children being taught that gender is not male or female. You're not a boy or girl. You can be anything you want to be. The Antichrist, with this kind of thing happening, the Antichrist will have no trouble distorting the truth in his day. And I see this in Daniel's prophecy. I see exactly what's happening. Look at this. Daniel eleven thirty seven. He shall, the Antichrist, regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire 
of women. How about that? Nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. Huh. Satanic temple worship. Homosexuality. Transgenderism. These are part of the rule of the Antichrist. We're getting ready, aren't we? You see? And if you refuse to worship Him, to do business with Him, then you are breaking the law, His law. And by the way, He's going to have the Justice Department on His side. You understand? We're getting ready, aren't we? Friends, we are closer to the coming of Jesus Christ than we have ever been before. The more corruption we see, the more confusion, the more our freedoms are being taken away, the closer we are. The more our children are being indoctrinated by evil, the closer to the coming of the Antichrist we, we are. And by the way, all the other calamities on earth that came when Jesus the Lamb, that John saw when Jesus the Lamb loosed the first seal, all these things follow the coming of the Antichrist. He's the one who starts it all. The second seal, verse 3 and 4. When he opened the second seal, I heard the sound, the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse fiery red went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. The Antichrist come, and so does death to millions. Third seal, scarcity on the earth. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. I looked and behold a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, hands. And I heard the voice, a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius. The denarius was a Roman, a Roman coin for a day's wage. It was, think about what a person makes in one day. That's what a quart of wheat will cost, a loaf of bread. And do, but don't, don't harm the oil and wine. And then the fourth seal, because there still needs to be a lot of drunkenness in his day. The fourth seal, widespread death on earth. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And hell followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth. Billions. To kill with a sword, with sword, hunger, and death, and by the beast or diseases, germs of the earth. Fifth seal, the cry of the martyrs. When he opened the fifth seal, I heard, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held, and they cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on these who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brothers who would be killed as they were were completed. These were those killed by the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation. And then the sixth seal, cosmic disturbances and nuclear fallout. I looked when he opened the sixth seal. Behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. And then the sky receded as a scroll. Like a mushroom cloud. When it's rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. 
and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, he'll have his thumb, he'll have his thumb, he'll have control of the nuclear arsenal of the world. And all those men, kings of the earth, great men, rich men, commanders, mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and rocks of the mountains and the bunkers underground and anywhere they can try to hide and say to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us. In other words, let me put it, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath is coming. Who is able to stand? In other words, they're saying, oh God, help us. It's too late. Too late. They chose their God, the Antichrist. That's what the world will face when they reject Jesus and instead pledge their allegiance to the most evil leader who has ever lived. That's the great tribulation. Seven years. Three and a half is when it really cranks up. The period of God's judgment as He punishes the world for what they did to His Son. This is the judgment that every person who misses the rapture will face. And the question they will ask is, Who is able to stand in this day of wrath? And John gave the answer. Revelation 13, 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship the Antichrist, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The book of life. That's the, God's record of your salvation. Every person who has ever received Jesus Christ as Savior is in that book. And in Revelation 20, John saw how the Lord would check that book on the day of judgment to verify who enters His kingdom. John said, look at this, Revelation 20. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Today, folks, we have a choice. A choice to follow Jesus or reject Him. And to me, it's a simple choice. Do I want to face the wrath of God, the rising of the Antichrist, Becoming a fugitive from the law for my faith? Unable to buy food during the great tribulation? Or do I want to rise to meet Jesus when He comes for His bride, the church? It's a simple choice for me. I want to be with Jesus. What about you? I made that choice a long time ago, folks. He's never failed me. Have you chosen Jesus as your Savior and Lord and King of your life? You know, some people call themselves Christians, but they're not really Christians because to be a Christian, you follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. He's in control of your life when you're a real Christian. And if Jesus is not in control of your life, I want to tell you, you're taking the biggest gamble of your life, one that is going to have terrible, disastrous consequences. I was reading a little story, pretty neat. After a Muslim in Africa was converted to Christ, his friends asked him why he became a Christian, and he answered, well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down the road, and suddenly the road forked in two different directions, and you didn't know which way to go. And there at the fork were these two men 
One man was dead and the other one was alive. Which one would you ask the way to go? Which one would you follow? Which road would you take? The dead man's road, the road to destruction and death, or the road to life eternal? It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus loves you, and He wants to deliver you from evil and from that terrible day that's coming. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught His disciples to say, Our Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus wants to deliver you from evil now and from the future evil that's going to envelop the world and the destruction that the Antichrist will bring. So Jesus died to save you now. Our American heroes fought and gave their lives to win a victory for our country. Victories for our country. That we might remain a free nation. That we might have the freedom to live. But today we, and we remember them today, but on the cross, the Lord Jesus fought a battle. He was one man against it all. And he fought a battle for you personally, for you, for all of us. And he died and he rose again and he won the victory for you personally. The victory for your soul. The victory for your freedom from the wrath that is to come. Now is the time to receive him. And when you do... His Holy Spirit will pour into your life and He will give you His love, joy, peace, assurance of eternal life. And He will never leave you nor forsake you, but He will one day come for you. And you'll hear the trumpet sound. You're not going to have to do a thing. There's no suitcase to pack. He's going to call you out of this body of death and this world of decay into His glorious kingdom, and so shall you ever be with the Lord. Amen. That's what we have when we believe, when we trust in His cross and His empty tomb. Would you bow with me? No one can answer this but you. Which road are you on? You're on the road to the rapture or the road to the tribulation. You can't be on both of them. Most people are going to miss that rapture. And they are going to follow the man of sin and they are going to end up in the lake of fire. That's what's going to happen. But you can have your name in the Lamb's book of life and escape all that if you'll only open your heart and mind and surrender to Jesus. And say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I have left you out of my life. I've not been a true Christian. Right now I am confronted by my own failure to be your follower. And I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. Right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, and be my Savior. Right now, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and Lord. And I promise I will follow you the rest of my life. 
And Jesus, I look forward to hearing your call and being with you forever in your kingdom. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, then there'll be some changes made. You'll get off the sideline, you'll quit acting like you don't know Jesus, and you'll start acting like you know Him. And you'll follow Him, and you'll sow those kingdom seeds, and you'll be a committed Christ follower. That's what a real Christian is, a committed Christ follower. I hope you prayed that prayer while we're singing. I'll be standing at the front. I'll pray for you if you want to come down. The cameras will be off. I'll come down. Just you can, I'll pray for you and encourage you. won't embarrass you. Or you can tell me going out of the door, Pastor, I, Pastor, I accepted Jesus today. Oh, I'll just rejoice. But just start living for Jesus. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. When we read these terrible things that are coming, it's frightening. But then, Lord, we recognize that we are safe in the palm of your hand. And, Father, nothing's going to harm us. Not, these things won't, won't hurt us. Father, we pray for others who need you so desperately. Take us, Lord, your people. Turn us into great sowers of your kingdom. I pray, Father, that we'll be bold witnesses and courageous. And no matter what anybody says or does, we'll stand for Jesus. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing, Brother We sing today a prayer for our country. My country, tis of thee. Stand with us as we sing together. All four of the stanzas. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from 